everyone. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. How many are praying for sunlight? In this cold time of year, we could use a little more sunlight. Amen. I'm thankful for everybody who woke up this morning and braved the cold and made the house of the Lord a priority. How many know it's a good thing to make the house of the Lord a priority? And I know I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're here uh, on a Sunday morning. And we want to jump into our lesson that we've been looking at throughout the entire month of January. And we've, we've pushed it into February and a series that we've entitled Barriers. Everyone said Barriers. Look at your neighbor and say Barriers. These are things that are uh, stand in the way between you and having a spiritual life, a relationship with God, or what we sometimes say a proper relationship with God. And the thrust behind this entire series, the heartbeat behind why Pastor and myself prayed about this particular series is because we all have moments in our lives when when we have to come face to face with things where we say, I need to recalibrate my spirit. And the beginning of a brand new year, isn't it hard to believe that we've already completed January of 2015? It's mind blowing to me when I think about 2015 being here, we're already well uh, on our way into this year. And I think it's a right and proper thing for us as we launch into a new year to consider things that may slip into our spirit, slip into our thinking, slip into our life that would be a barrier between us and God. And my prayer for this new year, not only for myself, and I do pray it for myself, but for each and every one of you, is that every obstacle between me and a right relationship with God would be removed from my heart. Pastor preached it last Sunday morning, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within my neighbor. No, no, no. See, we, we, can, we could quote it that way. We'd like to, wouldn't we? But create a right heart within me. Someone point to yourself and say, within me. You know, sometimes we can easily get focused on somebody else's condition. And we can look at someone else and we can say, well, they need to remove some barriers from their lives. They need to take care of of some of the issues in their lives. And if we're not careful, before you know it, we're trying to fix everybody else, and we have things in our own spirit that remain undealt with. I have determined in my heart that I am going to make sure that I have a right relationship with the Lord. How many feel that way today? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And so that's the thrust behind this series. And so we, we began with the subject of carnality, and as we looked at that, we said it's not that maybe we're necessarily 100% carnal. My son's new thing, somebody taught him that the number 100 is a big number. And so he'll say, he'll say, Daddy, is it 100 cold outside? And I'll say, well, it doesn't work that way. It, if, if it's cold, it's zero. No, no, no. It's a, it feels like it's 100 cold outside, Dad. The, all he knows is that 100 means it's a lot. And so... Sometimes he'll say, uh, am I going to get a gift that's 100 for my birthday? And I say, I hope not, son. I don't know if you're getting $100 for your birthday. So, you know, we may not be 100 carnal, right? 
We may not be 100% materialistic, amen? I hope not anyway, maybe some, but most of us probably aren't. We may not have a bad attitude that is 100% rotten, as my mom used to say. Growing up as a teenager, she would sometimes, if, if I had a, a bad attitude, she'd say, your, your attitude, it's 100% rotten. That was the expression that she would use. And I knew I need to go and pray and straighten up and let the glory of God get a hold of me because if she had to talk to me again, I was going to be in big trouble. And if she used my middle name, if she said Ryan Anthony French, I knew I better run for the hills because mom was mad and she was coming for me. And so we may not be 100% rotten in our spirit. And today our subject is relationships. You may not have 100% problems in your relationships, but the thrust behind this series is that we ought to get a hold of things while they're still small. Did you know you can put out a fire when it's a small flame fairly easily? How many have ever had a candle in your house before? My wife likes candles. I think they're a fire hazard, but we keep them because she thinks they're pretty, and we'll have candles sometimes in the living room. We'll have company over, and candles that smell like chocolate pudding and you light a candle, and you want to eat everything in the refrigerator before you're done. These candles that smell like food, it feels like sin almost when you light the candle. It just makes you starving all day long. But have you ever noticed that most people can put out the flicker of a candle very easily? But when a fire begins to gain momentum, and when it gets a little extra fuel, if that flame spills over and it gets a hold of something flammable in your home, and it begins to spread along the walls, and God forbid it gets a hold of the furniture, it's very difficult to put a blazing inferno like that out by yourself. And sometimes people say, well, I'm ashamed because I have this little flicker of a problem in my life, so I'm going to kind of cover it up. Listen, you better get rid of that while it's still manageable. Get rid of that in your spirit while you can still handle it. Because if it spills over and if it gains momentum and it gets a little fuel added to it, before you know it, your relationships will be destroyed and your family will be torn apart and and your finances will be destroyed and your relationship with God will be out of control. How many want to get rid of things while they're small? That's when we catch it. And so sometimes we hear all these things and, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but... The way that we, a child of God ought to view it is, I want to remove every weight and the sin that doth, what did Paul say, so easily. Isn't it amazing how easy it is for, for sin to beset us? It's easy for it to slip in unaware. And then he said, and run the race with what? With patience. Praise the Lord. And so that's what we're trying to do today. So Everyone said relationships. We might could say it this way. We might could say toxic relationships. If we were to use a biblical term, we would say ungodly. Someone said ungodly relationships, wrong relationships that destroy our spirit, that create a barrier between us and God. We're going to look at that closely today, and we're going to go as quickly as we can. I'm already, I'm already moving slowly, but here's our first point today. Our relationship with God must be first. Someone said first. Must be first. A right relationship with God. Having 
a right relationship with God must be first. Let's look at Isaiah 59 and 2. But your iniquities, someone said sin, have separated. How many realize that's talking about your relationship with God? So your sin has separated between you and your God. So in other words, sin destroys a right relationship with God. How many want to have a right relationship with God? And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now let's look at Proverbs 15 and 29. Can we read this together out loud? The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Praise the Lord. How many want the Lord to hear your prayer today? How many want to have power in your prayer life? How many want to say to the mountain, be thou removed and see the mountain be? Oh, I wish someone would wake up and see the mountain be removed before your very eyes. It doesn't have to be a physical mountain. It can be a spiritual mountain, but it will not happen if you are out of sync with the right relationship with God. Sin destroys your relationship with God. It does. Not only does sin destroy your relationship with God, sin destroys your relationship with people that you love. Sin destroys your relationships with people that you care about. Sin removes the ability for us to interact with people the way that God intends for us to interact with other people. And I, for one, want God to be near to me. Draw nigh unto the Lord and he will draw nigh unto you. And so I want to have power in my prayer life. I want to be able to feel the presence of God. I mean, we're in an apostolic church today. I believe that you can feel the presence of God when you come into his courts with praise. There's something about the presence of the Lord. And sin is a great barrier between us and God. That's what the entire Bible is about. The Bible is intended for us to be able to learn how to have a right relationship with God. Jesus came so that we could have a right relationship with God. Jesus bled and he died so that we could have a right relationship with God. God instituted the church so that we could have a right relationship with God. Everything that God does is because he loves you and he desires to have a relationship with you. But sin destroys our ability to have a relationship with God. And so we have to do something about it. We have to constantly seek to remove it from our life. Now, I was amazed. Uh, Friday night here at our AIM youth service, we had uh, about 160 people here. We crammed them in the dining hall. Brother Weidman preached one of the best messages I've heard this year. Of course, the year's young, but it was a powerful message. And it was one of those moments where I felt a confirmation in the Holy Ghost because he used the text that I had already prepared to use right here today from Revelations chapter 2 and verse number 4. How many have been praying for young people that God would raise up preachers, that God would raise up young men and young women who love the Lord, who love church, who love ministry, who love the things of God, who want to have a right relationship with God? That's something that we ought to pray about. That's not something that happens by accident. That's not something that happens by accident. That's something that happens through prayer and fasting and elders and established saints who care about such things. And Apostolic Tabernacle cares about young people. We want to see young people living for God. You know what? Let me just say this. 
I don't believe it's the will of God. You say, well, they'll go sow their wild oats and come back. I don't believe it's the will of God for people to go destroy their lives. To go destroy their lives and come back. Now, are you, Brother French, are you saying they can't be restored? Certainly they can be restored. But there are some scars that will never be healed until you're in glory with God in heaven. And it's not the will of God for people to have to carry baggage the rest of their life for a few moments of pleasure. I believe God wants to get a hold of some young people. Oh my goodness. God wants to stop a prodigal before he ever becomes a prodigal. God wants to get a hold of somebody before he has to live in the pigsty. All right. You know, you don't have to squander the father's inheritance. Amen. No, you don't. Now you can come home. But I believe the church ought to tell prodigals, you don't have to go out there and experience that heartache. You can stay in the safety of the ark of God. You can lift up holy hands without hitoshatalabaha, without wrath or doubting. God can use you. God's trying to raise up a David who's going to make a difference in this world. We need 21st century Davids. We need David who will stand up to the Goliaths of this world and say, why do you defy the armies of the living God? I wish someone would get that kind of faith today and say, I'm not going to allow you to talk about my God that way. You're not talking about my church that way. You're not talking about my pastor that way. You're not talking about the word of God that way because I've got a God who is able to shut the mouth of Goliath. I've got a God who who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Someone said, praise the Lord. All right, so Brother Weidman preached from this text. It was a powerful message. I wish we'd taped it. I'd tell you to go get it. Revelations 2, and this is Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. How many see that God, Jesus specifically, is talking about relationship here? Someone said relationship. He's talking about the church's relationship with him. He said, you're doing all these good things. You're teaching Bible studies. You're, uh, you're showing up on Sunday morning. You're putting the tie on. You're, you're being nice. You're shaking people's hand. You're plastering the smile on your face. You're dressing right. You're doing some things good, but I've got this one thing against you because you have left your first love. Some of us need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Some of us need to go back to an altar and say, Jesus, I've allowed some things to take preeminence above you, and I want you to be first. Someone said first, first in my life. Then he continued, remember, therefore, from whence... Thou art fallen. That's just a fancy way of saying, remember where you came from. See, that's what some of us need to do. We need to go back and remember what God brought us out of. Some of us, we wouldn't even be able to get through 10 o'clock Bible study without shouting and raising our hands if we could just go back and remember the miry clay that God brought us out. Some of us wouldn't be able to stop from worshiping God with abandon if we could just go back and remember how bound we were before Jesus found us, stretched out his loving hand, and lifted us out of our place of destruction somebody ought to clap your hands even in bible study and say thank you jesus because you first you first loved me when i was unlovable when i was broken when i was filled
filthy. When I was sin-stained, he loved me. See, if you live for God long enough, the danger is that you'll start to feel like you deserve the love of God. You do enough good deeds and you'll start feeling like if you're not careful that you deserve the blessings of God. You get a little anointing and God uses you a little bit. If you're not careful, that old, dirty, filthy pride will get a hold of your spirit just like it did Lucifer. And before you know it, you think that you deserve some of God's glory. I came to let somebody know you better fall in love with Jesus all over again. You better go back to that humility you felt when he first filled you with his spirit. You better realize... That my righteousness is as filthy rags. All my good deeds, all my sermons, all my teaching, all the nice things that we've ever done, all the giving, all of those things, they don't save us. But it's Jesus, the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So he said, remember where you came from. How far I've lifted you and repent. Someone say repent and do the first works. Go back to the things you used to do. Some of us need to go back to worshiping like we used to worship. Some of us need to praise like we used to praise. Some of us used to clap our hands and shout. We need to go back to that. Some of us need to go back to fasting like we used to. Some of us need to get the faith that we first had. We've got to go back to that place of exuberance. You know, have you ever seen someone when they're first filled with the Holy Ghost and they first get on fire with God? If you've been living for God for a long time, if you're not careful, you'll kind of snicker at them and look at all that enthusiasm that they have. And but boy, just give them a few years and they'll slow down. You know what Jesus was saying? No, 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 no. You need to go back and be like that person. You need to go. You need to have it like a fire shut up in your bones. You can't contain it. You can't control it. You can't hold it back. Because when you think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, it makes you want to shout. It makes you want to dance. It makes you want to witness. It makes you want to share your faith. You've just got to tell everybody. You've just got to go and find somebody and tell them about a man from Galilee. You've just got to go and get a hold of somebody and say look at what the Lord has done because it's about relationship you know you can always tell when a marriage relationship is in trouble when the husband is away from the wife and he talks bad about his wife and the wife is away from the husband and she talks bad about her husband you can always tell that oh it got real quiet Lord touch them all in Jesus name You can always tell. And so you can always tell when someone is spiritually in trouble, when they get away from the house of God and they're talking bad about the house of God. And you get them away from the presence of God and they talk bad about the things of God. Or they talk bad about God's man or God himself or the word of God or they're contentious about the things of God. Go back to your first love. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. And he will restore your broken relationship with him. I'm going to say this, and some of you are going to dismiss it right away because it sounds like a platitude. It, it sounds trite almost. We've heard it said so many times. But often the most profound and powerful truths are very simple when you boil them down. And the danger of that is that we hear it so often that we just dismiss it. 
but it's a powerful truth. Here it is. Are you ready? When you put your relationship with God first, well, I have a family. No, no. Your relationship with God first. Well, I have this job. I got to take it. When you put your relationship with God first, well, I have health. I got. When you put your, is anybody still with me this morning? When you put God first, everything else will begin to naturally fall into place. When you put God first, your marriage will get better. When you put God first, your relationship with your children will grow strong. Or I wish someone would preach with me for just a while. When you put God first, your finances will begin to get better. Some of y'all don't believe that, but you ought to go ahead and nod your head and say, that's good teaching. When you put God first, your health will grow stronger. All right. When you put God first, everything, everything, but preacher, no, everything, someone said everything, everything else will begin to fall into place. That doesn't mean that you can't love people. You need to love. You need to love your spouse. You need to love your children. You need to love your family. You need to love your neighbor. You need to have right relationships with other people. I'm not minimizing that, but what I am telling you is that when you put God first, everything else will begin to fall into place. And when you don't, the opposite is true. All right, now... Now we're going to talk about relationships. Someone said relationships. We understand we've established we need to have a right. Someone said a right relationship with God. But there are relationships that we need to turn away from. Someone said turn away. I'm pulling this from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. And uh, Wednesday night, if you weren't here Wednesday night, pastor just taught an awesome Bible study on the coming of the Lord and the tribulation. It was, it was very powerful. But as he was making preliminaries for that, he talked about how we need to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to be bored with the word of God. And it resonated with my spirit. And so I was studying for today. You see this screen, and some of you almost had a heart attack when you saw that screen. You saw all those words. But, you know, sometimes I know in my own teaching and my preaching, sometimes I'll kind of boil things down because I worry if I give people too much, they'll just get bored. And after pastor taught that, and then I felt pricked in my spirit, I said, you know what? I'm going to do what I feel to do today. So we're going to dive in to this passage of Scripture. And if we can't get any further than this, then we'll be okay. All right, 2 Timothy 3 and 1. Can we read this together? This know also that in the last days, perilous times Shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous someone said covetous that word could be translated greedy so this is a description of how people will be in the last days they'll be they'll be uh, lovers of their own selves we might could say that they would be selfish everyone said selfish but I think that actually I, I was looking deeply at this. And I, I think that it could go beyond, I think the word selfish would be an overly simplistic way to look at it. I think that they will literally, and I think that, that it, we see it right now in our culture, that people are in love with themselves. What, what do you think Hollywood is all about? People who are in love with the way that they look. People who are in love 
with the way that they do things. People are, are in love with themselves. Did you know that's a very dangerous thing? Now, I'm not talking about you need to have healthy self-esteem and you need to have uh, all of those things. You're a child of God. You should walk with a certain measure of confidence in that. But you should not be a lover of your own self. And you certainly should not be selfish. And you shouldn't be greedy or covetous. Now, all of these are people that the Apostle Paul is describing how people would be in the last days. And we are living in the last days. I, when you read this, you, I just feel like I'm reading a description of the world that I live in. He said they would be boasters, proud, blasphemers. Anybody know what blasphemers are? People who speak against God. People who speak against the things of God. That includes the man of God. That includes the word of God. Are you saying, Brother French, you can never disagree with what a preacher does? Of course, sometimes you're going to disagree. But there's a difference between disagreeing with the right spirit and having an attitude that speaks against the things of God. It's a very different thing. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Lack of gratitude, Paul said, is going to be, lack of thankfulness is going to be a hallmark of people living in the last days. Unholy. Here's a, verse 3. Here's an important one. Without natural affection. And uh, I hear a lot of preachers use this to talk about uh, sexual perversion and the rise of the homosexual agenda and all of that kind of thing. And that's certainly true. I believe that. It is talking about not having proper sexual affection and all of those kinds of things, but it even goes deeper than that. It's talking about perversions of all types of love, including parenthood. I was reading an article the other day about how parents are abandoning their children by record number. I mean, just record people just abandoning their children. You know what that is? That's parents who are without natural affection. When you have the mind of Christ, when you have the love of God, you're going to hold on to that child with all your might because that's how God created us. God created fathers and mothers to love their children. But when you get out of sync with the right relationship with God, it will destroy your ability to have natural affection. That's why the church has always stood against drugs and alcohol. Long before it was cool to be against smoking, the church stood against smoke. I mean, the world laughed at the church because we said smoking, you shouldn't smoke. And people laughed. Now Hollywood, they make million-dollar commercials preaching against the evils of smoking. Of course, they want you to smoke marijuana, but cigarettes now, that's a bad thing, buddy. You better stay away from that. You know why the church did all of that? We stood against all of those things because pastors watched. As husbands and mothers, sisters and brothers, as their lives and their spirits were deadened by drugs and alcohol, they left their husbands and their mothers, their children, they destroyed their relationships and the church said, this can't be right, this can't be holy, this can't be what God intended. We need to rise above those things, come out from among it and be ye separate, saith the Lord, because we want to have natural affection for our children. You know, when you get, listen, I've spent more time weeping. When I, when I was, I'll never forget in Natchez, an 11-year-old girl came to my wife and I addicted to pornography. She 
Some of y'all just want me to preach God is love and go home, but I can't do it because I'm the one who has to sit with people who weep because their relationships are destroyed by sin and they don't have a right relationship because the devil has stolen their ability to have natural affection. That's what drugs will do. That's what the things of this world will do. It'll destroy it. And that's the world that we're living in. Truce breakers. Someone said truce breakers. Not able to be trusted. False accusers. From the Greek word diabolos, which is, you recognize that, which is often translated devil. I think that's powerful, don't you? I think there's a lot there. When you're a truce breaker, you are literally identifying yourself with the devil. That's a very dangerous thing. You need to be a man and a woman of your word. You need to be a man and woman of integrity, incontinent, or we might say without self-control, fierce. Someone said fierce. We might would recognize the word savage. That might be a word that we're more familiar with. Despisers of those that are good. That's powerful, isn't it? We're describing people in the last days. They would be despisers of those that are good. They would be hostile to virtue, hostile to good things, hostile to good people, hostile to righteousness, hostile to virtuousness. Listen, I'm tired of, of a world that makes fun of women who want to be pure. I'm tired of a world that makes fun of teenagers who want to save themselves for marriage. I think the church ought to stand up and say, I am going to be a defender of virtue. I am going to be someone who respects people who want to do good. I will not be a part of the crowd that wants to glorify ungodliness. I just won't do it. Number four, traitors, people who surrender others into the enemy's hands. Now, from a Christian perspective, we could even look at that in the church. People, you know, if you're not careful, Jesus talked about wolves who would come in among the sheep and try to do different things. You know what that is? It's people who would turn, they literally would Help turn your soul over to the devil if they could. Just like Judas kissed Jesus on the cheek in the garden and led the soldiers right to Jesus. There are many Christians who have been betrayed with a holy kiss. People who led them right to destruction. Listen, we need to lift up our hands right now and say, Lord, protect me right now, O God. Protect me from relationships that would draw me to destruction. Heady. Someone said heady, foolish or headstrong, high-minded. I'm translating that an overinflated sense of self-importance. An overinflated sense of self-importance. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Does that mean all pleasure is wrong? No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things. Go enjoy bluebell ice cream in Jesus' name. Pray over it in Jesus' name and enjoy it. There's some good things in life, and you need to enjoy it. Enjoy it. Do it with a smile on your face. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. So get that fried chicken and say, in Jesus' name, and enjoy it. You need to laugh. You need to have a good time. You need to go on vacation if you can. You need to do things in your life, create good experiences. God wants you to have a blessed life. He wants you to be happy. But listen, you should not love pleasure more than you love God. Anything that you love more than God. Now, listen, my family knows. You've heard me mention it. I love Nutella. 
Anybody know what Nutella is? It's that hazelnut spread. They sell it over by the peanut butter. Oh, if you've never had Nutella, it's going to change the course, the trajectory of your life. Go and be blessed now. It's good stuff. But if I love Nutella more than I love God, if I get so caught up in it that I have to eat it and miss Sunday morning, if I get so caught, now listen, I'm not, I don't have a problem with people enjoying sports, but if you enjoy sports more than you enjoy God, then you have a problem. Anything can become a sin when you love it more than you love God. Verse 5, having a form. Now this is confusing for a lot of people. I'm out of time. I can already tell I'm not going to be able to, to finish up here. But having a form, they have an appearance, a resemblance. I like this one, a facade. Maybe a disguise. Some people can almost disguise themselves with godliness. That's scary, isn't it? Some people can put on godliness almost like a mask. They can put it on and take it off like a mask or holiness, like a mask. But they deny the power thereof from such turn away. Someone say that with me. From such Turn away. No, no, no. Y'all still aren't understanding. I'm facing them. I turn away. Well, what if I just turn my head? No, no, no. Turn away. All of these people that we've described, all of these descriptions, some people have a little, some people have a lot, need to be very, very careful with these kinds of people. Really what Paul is saying, I put it there in the green, he's saying to avoid them. You need to avoid people like that. You need to be very careful because they are toxic relationships. They're toxic people. They'll destroy your walk with God. Before you know it, you'll be acting like them. You'll be thinking like them. You'll be talking like them. You'll be walking like them. You'll be participating in things with them. You need to avoid these kinds of relationships. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, homes, and families, and lead captive. Uh, let me give it to you this way. They captivate they captivate silly women, foolish women, laden, loaded down with sins, led away or driven with diverse various kinds of lust or forbidden longings, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge. They're going to, they go to Harvard. They go to college. They go to high school. They have all kinds of things. They're smart. They can do mathematical equations. They're always learning. They have knowledge, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They can never recognize truth when they see it. When they hear it, it doesn't resonate with them because, because they're out of sync with the relationship with God. Verse 8, stand with me as we close. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood or opposed Moses, those were the two ma magicians that were in Pharaoh's court. When Moses would throw down his staff and turn into a snake, they'd do the same thing. They were imitating. Someone said imitating. They were imitating the power of God. Be very careful of people who imitate the power of God. You need the real power of God in your life. You need the real, you need real, you need godly relationships in your life. You need godly men and women in your life. Does that mean we don't love everybody? Of course we do. We love everybody. We care about them. But you need to guard your close relationships because it will lead you to a path of destruction.
I didn't even get halfway through. We're going to have to finish it. Let's lift up our hands. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. God, I pray that you would help us to repair breaches in our lives, Lord. I pray that you would draw the lost. I pray that you draw the hurting. I pray that you draw the hungry, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to consider, Lord, things in our life, God, that are destructive, that are drawing us away from you. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, God. Look at your neighbor and say, put God first, and everything else will fall into place.